Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to another off-season edition of Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sia Najad, and we are continuing our off-season series highlighting DFS, highlighting game theory, strategy, and player analysis. Today, we have a very special guest from Fantasy Pros. Uh, it's our second Fantasy Pros uh, guest that's come on to this podcast. As everybody knows, Andrew Erickson has been with us uh, two times now during the offseason. It is none other than Derek Brown. We're really excited to have you, Derek. You can find him at dbro underscore ffb. Derek, how you doing? I'm doing good. See ya. How's offseason treating you, man? We're at the precipice of grind. You ready? So that's the thing. Uh, well, okay. So you should ask my wife that and then ask me because <laughs> she is most certainly not ready for any of this. Um, but I got to tell you, th- this is the time of year, Derek, where I get really excited. Like when it gets to the playoffs in the Super Bowl, I start to get like a little depressed. Like when people talk about seasonal mm. affective mood disorder, I apply it strictly to football. When the season is over, <laughs> I am like, I'm like a lost puppy. I do other stuff. I do PGA DFS and 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 have um, golf related content. But, you know, football is king. We all know that. So I'm excited, man. I've, I've seen some of your content. I've, I've heard you on Twitter spaces. And by the way, for those of you that are watching, hopefully you are watching this show on YouTube. But um, you can you can see Derek uh, Derek Brown's uh, Twitter handle here. It's again at dbro underscore ffb. He's a great follow. Derek, let me ask you. Let me flip it around on you. The the preseason week one. Did you play DFS and uh, how did you do? I mean, we're going to talk about sort of your strategy later on in the show. But but how did it go? I went well. Um, the last few slates, it's been break even. Maybe I was down a little bit. Nothing terrible. Um, hit big on props, which uh, are massive in preseason because this is just, you know, whether you're playing because, um, you know, you, you DraftKings, places like that don't pro- post uh, preseason props. But if you're heading over to like prize picks, underdog, tons of good action there. And honestly, it all comes down to news, man. So if you hit these lines early, you get the closing line value in a lot of these guys. I mean, it's it's straight money. So, I mean, it's been a good time, man. I love getting the preseason action, building the bankroll towards the regular season because, you know, that's where we, we all love the regular season. But if you're in the preseason streets, you're grinding the news, there's so many good edges to be had, regardless of DFS, props. It's, it's just, it's good times, man. I'll tell you what, I I think people sort of dismiss the preseason from a Mm -hmm. just making money or, you know, whether it's betting or or DFS standpoint, because there's so much in in, in their mind that is just unknown. But the reality is, if you can find uh, there's so many edges to be found, I'll I'll give you an example. On Saturday night, I took the Rams second half, just a straight bet, Rams second half plus two and a half, because I knew that their quarterback, and it's the kid from UVA, the third year kid from uh, UVA that I'm I'm forgetting his name um, somehow. There we go. Bryce Perkins. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew he was going to play most of the second half as a, as well as the first half, which he had played. And I thought that was a pretty big advantage. And the, the game mm-hmm. was tied. And so it was a nice, like easy live bet for me. They ended up winning the game by seven. So I covered by more than enough. But it's those little things, whether it's a live bet or whether it's a, a prop, wh- whatever the case may be, there's a lot out there. And if you're dialed in, whether that's mm-hmm. dialed into this show or Fantasy Pros, where Derek Brown has his work, there's there's a lot to be had before you even start the regular season. So I think it's a really, really good point. But Derek, yeah. let me just let me just get started with week one. We saw a lot week one. And here's here's the problem. This is a problem with with the actual NFL regular season. When we have one or two weeks, we, we get sort of a, a sample size of things that we deem a trend. And, and sometimes it's not right. Well, in the preseason, that's even more pronounced because we're not really sure what we're looking at. So part of the reason I wanted you on the show is to talk about some of the stuff we saw on the front end in week one. And then, of course, we'll get into maybe some of your targets heading into week two and how you do uh, preseason DFS. But just overall, before I ask you about particular players, um, any surprises that really jump out to you from from week one in terms of takeaways? 
I think um, off the top, man, I, th- I think there's a few different things uh, I can hit here. I mean, I, I think we're going to talk about the Kansas City backfield. I think it's really interesting. Um, both were where I think that the edge is, plus where the hype is going. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about the hype. Uh, but I think it's a really interesting situation, um, as well as uh, if you're looking for a lot of these backfield committees, how these things are going to play out. There's multiple running backs that I think that if people are tuned in right now, they have early redraft stuff, they're looking at DFS. Lots of players that I've been talking about since like the NFL draft. I mean, we have Brian Robinson out here getting work. We have my dude Tristan Ebner showing people people that I'm like, look, kids talented. Now everybody's seeing it. So off the top, I mean, that that's two of the situations that I've looked at um, in the offseason a lot, but the Chicago backfield and what the commanders are going to do running the ball that are some of these things that we're forecasting, like eh, Antonio Gibson's tentative hold on this backfield and what mm-hmm. that looks like going into the regular season. But those situations, I think people need to be monitoring. And we saw a lot of those things obviously just flesh out themselves like in week one where maybe, you know, we were looking at like, is this like a two or three game thing? And we're looking for more of trends as opposed to Gibson puts the damn ball on the turf and yeah. oh my Lord, he gets, his, he gets parked on the bench and we're like, Oh, well that didn't take long. Did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny about Antonio Gibson because part of his problem last year, of course, was fumbling in the red zone and his second mm-hmm. carry of the preseason, he fumbles. But the reason why that's, such a big deal is because that's why they got Brian Robinson. They mm-hmm. literally got Ryan, Brian Robinson to be that short yardage guy to ensure against maybe that Antonio Gibson fumble. Obviously, he's more of a thumper than Antonio Gibson is regardless. But yeah, that is an, and we're going to talk about Brian Robinson in a second. But I'll tell you what, let's start at the quarterback position. I'm curious what you think of Trey Lance. And, and what I mean by that is mm-hmm. where you think he is in his maturity as a quarterback. And I think from a fantasy standpoint, that matters for Brandon Ayuk, for obviously Debo Samuel, for that for that backfield to some degree as well, George Kittle. I'm just curious, like, were you impressed by Trey Lance? Four or five, 92 yards, a, a deep touchdown. Um, training camp reports seem to suggest he's just been very, you know, very average. But again, he's a young quarterback. What are you expecting there? I'm expecting growing pains. I mean, I, I think that Trey Lance is far from a finished product. I think we're going to see like explosions. We're going to see uh, just wow plays. And we're going to see times where he looks like a first year starting quarterback, you know, so I don't think that any of that should surprise anybody as well as you see him launching the ball down the field to Danny Gray. That shouldn't surprise anybody either. Like if mm-hmm. you take all the quarterbacks last year with 80 or more dropbacks, Trey Lance was top three in a dot. So we're talking about a quarterback that showed us last year in a small sample that he's going to push the ball down the field and preseason week one. What did he do? Push the ball down the field. So I think there's there's pluses and negatives to, to Trey Lance's game overall. I think that how I viewed him walking into the season is still the same. Like I look at him as yeah. last year's Dr- Jalen Hurts, just better surrounding cast mm-hmm. in the sense that we're going to get highs, we're going to get lows, but his rushing is going to keep him with an extremely high floor. But I think we're going to see a lot of ceiling out of him as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think a a potential comp in terms of just having a raw guy potentially perform in his first year as a starter is RG3 because we know Kyle Shanahan was on that. I mean, he was Mike Shanahan was the head coach, but Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Kevin O'Connell, they were all coaches on that team. And and you saw how a a somewhat raw RG3 succeeded. And I think the skill set is slightly different, but it, it Listen, RG3 had a great long ball. I mean, he threw the ball downfield. Kyle Shanahan and, uh, you know, Sean McVay, they were able to kind of open the pocket for RG3 and and, and let him kind of be in space while looking downfield. So I, I agree with you. I think Trey Lance is raw. I think from a actual quarterbacking standpoint, he's he's going to definitely look the part as raw more often than not. But from a fantasy standpoint, I still think it's translating into points. Real quick on this, though, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle – uh, how are you feeling about them? Are those guys, because I know you do redraft too, are those guys you have your eye on at all? Are they sinking enough to have value, uh, particularly Brandon Ayuk? So I talked about uh, this pass catching core on the Fantasy Pros pod the other day, and I'm, I'm fading Debo Samuel. I think that where he's going in drafts, people are chasing last year's production. And honestly, it's been a perfect storm. Like you saw Debo crush when Kittle missed three games last year, his numbers went through the roof. Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse last year for much of the beginning of the season. And again, Debo's numbers went through the roof. Now, with all three of these guys healthy, then Debo 
we saw him pad a lot of his stats with the wideback role. That doesn't happen. Doesn't come back this year. I think people are going to be sad that they paid up so much for Debo and not not discounting his talent because the guy is he was incredibly efficient last year. But we always say it: volume is king in fantasy. If he doesn't get the volume, he's going to have a hard time paying off. So him and George Kittle, like. I'll take them in best ball every now and then, not really looking at them as much in redraft, especially Debo. I'll take some shots on Kittle, depending on the leagues that I'm in. I, if I'm going to go with anybody out of this pass catching core, it's going to be Brandon Ayuk. One, his ADP is the most palatable. Two, and we talk about this in, in the context of preseason, we need to be cognizant of the drumbeat. We need to have our finger on the pulse. And everything coming out of San Francisco has been that Brandon Ayuk has been uncoverable. He looks amazing. And if there's one player that I think is going to, one, match well with the deep ball for Trey Lance, two, maybe can get there with less volume and the ADP is kind of matching up the best, it's probably Brandon Ayuk or nobody for me from this pass catching core. I completely agree. Uh, I can tell you in redraft and certainly early in the DFS season, uh, Kittle and Debo will be nose for me. But I will consider, mm -hmm. depending on the matchup I will and, and the price, of course, I will consider um, Brandon Ayuk. I, I do think people should keep an eye on Jeff Wilson, though. We, we Just so you yeah. know, if, if you're listening to this, I do implore you to catch the YouTube. We're, we're on YouTube right now. And you can subscribe if you haven't already to uh, Fantasy Football Today. That's at YouTube.com slash fantasy football today as you might expect so to go ahead and subscribe to that but we are looking at the depth chart and and we do see here that jeff wilson is second in the depth depth chart so as good as trey sermon has been in camp and as much upside as we think Tyrion davis price has and, and I, I think he does in this offense mm -hmm. jeff wilson especially early uh might be the guy especially if elijah mitchell uh, you know continues to have these lingering injuries we'll see but i definitely think that's that's a guy to point out i want to ask you about one other quarterback derek uh and again I ask you about him sort of as it relates to his receivers, because he has some talented receivers, and that's Zach Wilson. We know he just suffered a knee injury out two to four weeks. I always, you know, my experience here is it's usually on the longer side than it is the shorter side. So I could see a scenario where he doesn't play week one, certainly. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just curious, regardless of that, Elijah Mitchell, Garrett Wilson, are these guys that you, you have your eye on, whether it's redraft or DFS? I mean, obviously the Jets will be in a trail position for a lot of the time of their games. Is are the, Do you have your eye on these guys at all? Some, I mean, I, I, when I'm looking, um, especially even looking, peering towards, because I'm not going to lie, I've already looked at week one a little bit. I've started building some some makeshift lineups, and it's not going to be close to like, you know, <laughs> the Saturday night before when we all tinker at 2 a.m. We're building lineups <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, looking at these guys, it's going to come down to how popular are they week one? And I, I, I agree with you. I think Zach Wilson, we probably don't see him under center. And I think a lot of people we had, I mean, let's, let's kind of go through the discourse of the news cycle here. I mean, it was, Oh, he misses the year with a torn ACL and Oh, it's an MCL mm -hmm. or meniscus. And we're not that worried about it. And then I'm like, which then it flipped it on its head. And I'm like, really? Like if you know anything about these injuries, it the surgeons, nobody knows how long, if it yeah. is, if it's a meniscus and stuff until they actually get in there and then it could be a cleanup and what we saw two to four weeks, or it could be the Irv Smith route and he misses the whole year or a substantial chunk of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that the Jets are going to be conservative with Zach Wilson. They've already come out and said as much like they're not going to let him come back until he can do all the things he needs to do, both from a mobility standpoint, make all the throws, all those types of things. So I think it's legitimately like probably 50-50, maybe like 40-60, though we see Zach Wilson under center in week one. And if that's going to deter people away and you're looking at these Jets pass catchers and they're not chalky, nobody wants to play them because I do have some interest in Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews stacks going skinny with it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I could see either one getting contrarian and going with some Jets players or two, maybe bringing one or maybe two of those guys back because... I don't think the Jets are going to be able to run the ball as much as they'd want to a ton on the mm -hmm. Baltimore Ravens with the re re remade defense this year. Yeah, and I should note, uh, by the way, Derek, we did a whole podcast already on this very show on DFS week one pricing and, you know, potential stacks and contrarian stacks and all that. It's, you know, it's never too early in the sense that mm -hmm. we're just trying to have some fun. We're trying to get yes. locked in and get our brain working for the right thing, which of course is NFL DFS. I will point out that 
Uh, Elijah Moore is 5,100 in DraftKings. Interestingly, I looked at Michael Carter because my expectation would be that Mike White would be the, the starter, but maybe it's Joe Flacco now that I think about it. And I just know that if it happened to be Mike White, his connection from a pass catching standpoint to Michael Carter, uh, you know, obviously they, they had a lot of success there. He's actually strangely 5,100 as well. I thought he'd be a lot less than that uh, week one, but is let's Garrett move Wilson on. Down in the, is Garrett Wilson down in the rookie tier? Like, is he this, because I haven't looked at his price yet. It's probably like sub 4K, if I were to guess. You know, it's so interesting. He's 4,700. I'm surprised he's really? that much. Yeah. Wow. Because you have other players like Sky Moore that are like 3,800, probably getting end up being chalky because of that depending with you know we're gonna get some more news out of kansas city but uh that that's interesting that actually might make him more of a contrarian play i'll tell you one guy we talked about on the show where we we talked about one dfs pricing and actually last week we talked about this too is that romeo dobbs is a flat 3k and talking about stacks, oh, if, you, wow. if you have like a Minnesota stack, first of all, people are going to throw him in anyway. You just to yep. save salary, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have a Minnesota stack with, let's say, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, bringing him back with a 3K guy that might be the primary target, at least from a receiver standpoint, uh, that could be interesting. Or maybe double or, stacking it with Aaron Jones as well. Or you get wild like me because nobody is going to want to, because they, they already have determined that Romeo Dobbs is the next coming of, you know, Greg Jennings, all these different types of players. Um, yes. Or you get wild and you look at the 5,100 range and you go with me with Christian Watson because nobody's going to play him. So that's interesting uh, because I thought you were going to say Alan Lazard at 5,600, even more expensive. And probably people don't want to pay up for him because of all the value they see at receiver. Let me ask you this. Are you are you high on Alan Lazard at all? Because he's just not getting talked about. And we know Christian Watson is sort of late in the game, a, 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 like a late bloomer, if you will, only because he was injured. and He just got activated a, a week, a, a day or two ago. Um, any thoughts on Alan Lazard there? I like Alan Lazard. Um, I think it's going to kind of come down to where, how popular he is. I I think that there's a chance that Alan Lazard does become the wide receiver one in Green Bay. I do believe that unless... We see this Packers offense change in some of the dynamics of how they operate because they are a ridiculously slow offense, ridiculously slow. Mm-hmm. So I think that people are a little bit out because I've seen some Lazard truthers out there in social media. I think that people are a little bit out over their skis about projected volume for these yeah. pass catchers, because even if you're doing medium projections for a lot of these guys, like even Alan Lazard. This team is ridiculously slow. A 20%, 19% target share for a lot of these guys is only going to equate to maybe in the range of 100 targets over a season. Now, is that hurting him in a microcosm of a week one play? No, but it could, depending on where he falls, popular, contrarian, things like that, is going to more along, more along the lines push me to say, Okay, is this a guy that I need to prioritize and bring back or am I going to get wild and go with a tight end or one of the running backs and such? Yeah, it's super interesting. I um, want to ask you about some running backs that I think are even more interesting from a DFS standpoint, redraft, whatever you want to call it. Travis Etienne, week one, again, we're talking preseason, week one, he got a lot of work. Uh, he had 20 offensive snaps, but in those 20 snaps, he got a lot of work, which is it shouldn't be a huge surprise to anybody, but it does kind of confirm what we would have thought, that they're going to be using Travis Etienne early and often. And I wonder if they're going to be using him in, in a sort of Christian McCaffrey-type role. Uh, I'll just point out he's 5,600 week one at Washington. I don't think anybody's really going to want to use him there on the road, the unknown of, of, of him. I kind of like him for that reason in tournaments, but let me get your opinion, Derek. I like him as well. Washington uh, has, well, in previous seasons, especially last year, run a good bit of zone, um, which is going to be great for Travis Etienne. A lot of check downs, a lot of underneath stuff. And I think that especially early in the season, that if people are not going to gravitate to him, then I'm just going to play more because this is especially the time when we're looking at if you're going to pigeonhole at least a stretch or part of the season where James Robinson is less of a factor. Because I would love it if James Robinson is active but doesn't get a ton of work and then people are more scared off of ETN. I've already looked at him in week one. Like, um, can't say that I wasn't up at 2 a.m. sitting here just messing around with some lineups and mm-hmm. threw a, a little mini correlation of uh, Travis Etienne and Jahan Dotson in a lineup. So I love it. I love that game, um, especially how some of the matchups could shake out um, 
from, you know, because I'm a matchup DJ and I love cor- people say that cornerback matchups don't matter. And I say, uh, if you think cornerback matchups don't matter, it's just because you don't really know how to diagnose them. It doesn't mean that they don't matter. I love it. And I, and I assume at Fantasy Pros, well, we can we can kind of determine what the matchups are and which ones to exploit. Right, Derek? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to have a lot of detailed write ups this the entire season for Fantasy Pros on um, on these games. And, and, I'll, and I'll go ahead and plug CBS Sports Fantasy Football today and just that the whole outfit as well, because we dive in there, too. But I, I got to hand it to you, Derek. I know that um, I, Fantasy Pros is, is a, certainly a great site. I know you have a lot of free content on there, too, but the paywall stuff is obviously very, very good as well. OK, this is the hot ticket running back committee to talk about. Everybody's talking about Isaiah Pacheco <laughs> in the context of he's the number two. He could potentially take over the number one role. Everybody's talking about how Rojo might not make the team. Uh, you know, and I guess he would probably have to beat out Derek Gore is my my assumption there. And of course, the starter is Clyde Edwards Solaire. We know Jarek McKinnon is on this squad as well. For me, this whole conversation is a bump up to Clyde Edwards Solaire, even though I'm not really a big fan of his. I think it's a big bump up to Clyde Edwards Solaire. But just give me your thoughts on the backfield. <sighs> you just stole, stole exactly the words out of my mouth. I love that take because I feel like everybody is is shining this massive spotlight on Isaiah Pacheco and they're missing the point here because mm-hmm. even people were out there like oh Patrick Mahomes played 11 snaps and Pacheco got three of them and I was like do you not realize that Clyde edwards Hilaire got seven of them does that not matter are people blind to that mm-hmm. that he played seven of the 11 snaps with Patrick Mahomes that's massive And especially for a player that people have been burned in multiple seasons, all the Pacheco love and all the spotlight is on him right now. And all I keep telling people in the Fantasy Bros Discord, out on social media, I just say, look, just keep enjoying the value that Clyde Edwards-Solaire is bringing you. This is the cheapest he's ever been in drafts. In DFS, people don't want to play him because they've either been burned, they've loved him in previous seasons, he didn't pay off on the hype. And I'm like, tell me this. How would we feel about Clyde Edwards Hilaire going into this season had we known about all the gallbladder stuff, his offseason training getting ripped, him losing basically a ton of weight? Mm-hmm. How would we have felt in co- putting his season into context with that if we would have known about it ahead of time and then peering back to his rookie season where Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he didn't not pay off on the hype, but it, he was far, far from bad. I mean, we're looking at a player that was top 12 in missed tackles forced. He was top 20 in yards after contact per attempt. And oh, my Lord, he was the RB12 in expected fantasy points per game. But people hate the guy. (laughs) And I'm like, just keep drafting more of him. You want to take shots on Pacheco in best ball, things like that. That's fine. I'm I'm not going to dissuade you from that. But people are missing the point about the running back that they really need to be gravitating to. Yeah, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is really interesting to me in DFS week one. I do want to point out that that Isaiah Pacheco, you know, he's 5'10", 216 pounds. He's, you know, built like a rock, 4'3", 740. Like, this guy is a burner. But let's – you said the word context, Derek, by the way. And by the way, newsflash, nobody does context anymore. Like, whether it's fantasy football or not, like like just the real world at large, nobody does context, (laughs) context, especially on Twitter. It's – Actually, kind of hilarious when when uh, you see the uh, the limited viewpoints of some people, whether it's talking about this or or anything else. But I, I will say this: he was drafted as almost the last pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I believe he was the thirtieth pick in the seventh round. So, I mean, you you do have to properly contextualize that. Obviously, there was a litany of running backs that went before him, and, and as as fast as he is, and as as much press as he's getting, the bridge between Isaiah Pacheco. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is probably gigantic. And I think, to your point, Derek, that's why we should probably be leaning into CEH. I don't know why I keep saying his whole name. I can just say CEH. But (laughs) DFS week one is interesting, right? Because that's the highest total. That that game, Arizona and Kansas City, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, the Chargers and Raiders. And then right under that, in that afternoon slate, you've got that Minnesota-Green Bay game. Those are kind of the three, in my opinion, hot ticket games from a total standpoint. What's interesting is people are going to want to stack Kyler with somebody or Patrick Mahomes with Kelsey or one of Juju or whatever the case may be. If you properly stack a different game, let's say, let's say it's that Minnesota stack, or let's say it's Justin Herbert and an affordable Mike Williams or, or, you know, Derek Carr with maybe you fade Devante and you, and you go with Darren Waller and you bring it back with Eckler or something like that. If you do that 
and, and, it, and it works. And somehow Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the workhorse in that game instead of the passing game being the workhorse. Now you've gotten the proper piece of the highest total, plus you've gotten you know the proper stack in the other game, and you, you, you haven't really been as chalky with it because most people won't be playing Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They're going to be playing other pieces of that game. I, I just think that's a really interesting way to go about it, especially knowing this bridge between CEH and the rest of the running backs table. Well, also from a matchup standpoint, if we see the Arizona Cardinals be as terrible as they were against uh, the run as they were last year, then CEH could absolutely crush them on the ground. Like this is mm-hmm. one of the teams that was they were they were near the bottom of the league in open field yards, explosive run rates. They were terrible every single week. I was telling people to, to target running backs against this run defense and they didn't do a whole lot of things to sit here and improve in the offseason heck they've actually lost some of the pieces from the defensive line and jj watt as good as he is can't play every single defensive line position at the same time so yeah i mean i love that i think that's a fantastic game to sit here and get contrarian with um going with ceh and a lot of people are they're going to go to a cheap sky more they're going to go to travis kelsey Go with the quarterbacks. I like taking that game. And yes, will I probably stack up that game and have a good bit of exposure? Sure. But I think the approach is more likely to go with contrarian pieces for that game, or you go with the type of it blows up. And this is like the Cardinals and Rams. This is one of these like barn burner Mm -hmm. 60 point games. You either you either fade the game and stack go many correlations around another main stack that are different, like CEH and Zach Ertz, uh, which a lot of people won't want to play those two, but you look at Kansas City, they've been atrocious versus tight ends for multiple seasons. That's not changing. Arizona's run defense, if it's bad, that easily could be a very contrarian mini correlation that people will not gravitate to. Or you overstack this game, you stack the heck out of it, you double... You know, Patty Mahomes or Kyler, you go with one of them and you have two bringbacks and you just play the narrative that this game is the game that everybody had to target. And if you overstack it, you're still going to be different than the field. I absolutely love it. We're going to talk about a few more running backs, but um, I do want to go to a break. Before we do that, though, I do want to implore upon everybody to subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. And I should mention, by the way that we've been doing one podcast per week for for a few months now, actually. Uh, A lot of, for those of you listening for the first time, shame on you, but also we've been doing a lot of like kind of stuff that's going to withstand the test of time. It's not just player analysis. It's it's a lot of bankroll management and and how to think about DFS and and things of that nature. So go back and listen to some of those episodes. But um, yeah, next week we got two episodes per week and I believe Mike McClure is going to be back on the show with us. Uh, but before we get to a few more running backs, a few receivers, then ultimately we are going to get to some of your the, the week two preseason guys that you have your eye on this early in the week. Uh, let's take a break first, though, and hear a word from our partners. And we are back with Derek Brown at Debro underscore FFB. A couple more running backs. Let's just run through them real quick because we spent so much time on on some of the guys on the front end. Brian Robinson, we talked about him, I believe, before we went hot, but he looked pretty good. And Antonio Gibson didn't look pretty good and, and frankly kind of fell into his his reputation of, of a guy who tends to fumble inside the five, inside the red zone. Tell me your thoughts on Brian Robinson. I love him. I bumped him up in my ranks. I'm trying to gobble up as much as I can in best ball. I think there's a good lot of action and edge to be had with Brian Robinson because I think he could take over the early down work. I think that's definitively true. And no, that's not a hot take. But the other thing about Brian Robinson, outside of his dependability, he does not have to be flashy to be good for us in fantasy. We care about volume. And quietly, he's a really good fit for this offense. Like if you go back to his numbers at Alabama, he was one of the best inside zone runners in this draft class, Washington runs a ton of inside zone. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a range of outcomes where Brian Robinson could be better for us in fantasy than Antonio Gibson. And the way that I'll say that, because a lot of people just might be eye rolling or going ahead and just saying, OK, for, forget that. Uh-uh. I Gibson's my guy. But if they're so worried about Antonio Gibson and his fumbling issues, which are legit, Over the last two years, him and Ezekiel Elliott are tied for the NFL lead amongst running backs and fumbles. If Brian Robinson is a more dependable option for this team, 
They get trusted more on passing down snaps, and I don't think that's mm-hmm. crazy. So if that happens, his ceiling could be higher than in anything we saw out of Antonio Gibson. Yeah, and in that preseason week one game, he had two targets. He caught both of them. So it's, you know, and it's interesting. Gibson is in this spot where he's really getting squeezed by the the catching prowess, uh, receiving prowess of J.D. McKissick, who the, the Washington commanders like begged to have back on their team, kind of kind of re-stealing him back from the Buffalo Bills. So, so they have him. And then, of course, they, have, they drafted Brian Robinson, put decent draft capital into him. So I'm not saying Antonio Gibson's going to be terrible, but I mean – there's a lot of mouths to feed and, and, and frankly, Washington should be feeding all of these guys. So it's an interesting set of circumstances there. Speaking of interesting, uh, we just found out Ken Walker is going to be sidelined with a hernia and, and Pete Carroll just, just announced that he's going to be out for the remainder of the preseason. He's going to have a procedure for that hernia. I think it goes without saying that Rashad Penny's stock just, you know, to the moon in spite of this is, you know, bad offensive line bad off, but we know, we know what Rashad Penny can do. He showed us last year, right? Yeah, I mean, we know the upside that Penny brings. Now, is the ceiling for this offense the same when you have the combination of Geno Smith and Drew Locke uh, tossing the ball down the field as opposed to Russell Wilson? No, but <laughs> for everybody that wants to poo-poo with this offense, Rashad Penny gets 15 to 20 carries every single week. That's still going to be good for fantasy, and I get he's not going to get any of the passing game work, but he could be the cheaper version. I mean, I look at Rashad Penny – as almost the the poor man's Derrick Henry in that we're not expecting any pass game work. He's mm-hmm. extremely good on early downs. Gets 20 to 25 carries. Maybe we're not seeing any kind of big dog long runs, but we know the talent is there for Penny. And I wanted to ask you uh, about another set of running backs that we we talked about before we went live. It's it's the Arizona backfield. We touched on that game from a DFS standpoint. It's going to be a very exciting game to consider. Uh, the backups aren't really going to be exciting to consider, but I think they're relevant, especially from a redraft standpoint. It's Eno Benjamin, Daryl Williams. We know Eno Benjamin played in week one. Uh, Daryl Williams was held out. Obviously, James Conner is the lead back there. I think everybody in the community is expecting some touchdown regression from James Conner, but I don't know. I'd like your opinion on that, but also, who do you think the backup is in that backfield? Well, I think the Arizona Cardinals, outside of beat writer reports, that talk glowingly because Kingsbury has not shut up the entire offseason about Eno Benjamin. So I think that he can still work his way into maybe having that job, but the Cardinals are also showing their hand. I mean, when you take and you rest James Conner and you rest Darrell Williams, not Eno Benjamin, then what they're not telling us, but the moves they make actually speak louder volumes than Kingsbury standing in front of a mic. So I, I think that, honestly, the the lead right now for that RB2 role out going against B-Driver reports probably is Darrell Williams, because why else are you putting this guy on ice unless he is the clear RB2? So... I think that he has upside. Um, now, if it's Daryl, do I think that can he work alongside James Conner? Sure. Um, as is he as much of a threat to James Conner? I, I don't honestly think that James Conner is in for a massive touchdown regression. I know that sounds crazy with how many touchdowns he scored last year, but the Arizona Cardinals offense, I think, is going to be better this year if we get a fully effective Kyler Murray. This offense looks like what it should be for the entire season as opposed to, oh my lord, they look amazing and then they look terrible down the back end of every season. If we get a full 17 games of them looking explosive as well as James Conner, he had so many touchdowns because this offense was top five in red zone rushing rate last year. That could Mm -hmm. easily come back. So Mm -hmm. if that comes back, his touchdown expectations, while he might not score as many touchdowns, it should still be extremely high, like 10 to 12 touchdowns is within the range of outcomes for James Conner. Yeah, what's interesting, by the way, again, I, I do have to impress upon people that we have the depth chart up here on YouTube if you're watching. And I think what's really interesting here, and this is a good transition because I want to talk about a few receivers before we get to your preseason week two targets. This depth chart at the receiver end is is scary bad right now. Okay, so DeAndre Hopkins we know is out for six games. Marquise Brown is is dinged. I think he's going to be fine. We got AJ Green who you know I think he's what going to be turning thirty three this year, something in that range. Mm-hmm. And then of course Antoine Wesley, who I thought might be a sneaky week one option, he's having a hip he has a hip issue right now, and, and there's no guarantee he's going to avoid surgery as far as I know. So I mean I think he might play week one, but I, I definitely you know when you're talking about a hip that that's that is a a very curious type of injury. We don't know exactly which way that's going to go. And then you have Rondale Moore sitting here. And I'm thinking in this high total game, 
I'm not big on Rondell Moore as just a, a in redraft as a receiver, but he's 4,000 week one in DFS. You really only have him and Marquise Brown and guys that might step up like Andy Isabella or Greg Dorch, so, so people like that. And then, of course, you have Zach Ertz. I'm just curious, like, this re- Kyler Murray is not getting a lot of help here early. Who is the receiver you're focused on here? If, if, is it just Marquise Brown? No. So uh, uh, Kansas City plays a lot of zone. They like to try to keep things in front of them unless – you know, like in the playoffs, they just decide they're not going to cover anybody. And Marquise Brown just goes bananas in week one. But honestly, I like a lot of the underneath options. I think Kyler, um, you know, if, if this offensive line doesn't hold up against Frank Clark and everybody, then I think that we could see him checking it down. That's why I brought up yeah. Ertz earlier. That's why I do like Rondell Moore. And depending on how some of these injuries shake out, yeah, A.J. Green's numbers fell off a map last year as far as efficiency. Uh, He was terrible versus man coverage, but he was still really, really good. Like, I'm talking top 12 in yards per route run against zone coverage. Mm -hmm. So I like Rondell Moore. Um, and I, I surprisingly, I didn't think I'd be saying this on the show, but I do like AJ Green as somebody that people do not want to play. He is old as dirt, but if you look at it from a matchup perspective, Kansas City runs a lot of zone. AJ Green could have a really good game too. I did misspeak about um, AJ Green. My apologies to him because I said he was 33. Well, it turns out he's 34. He turned oh. 34 on July 31st, and I and I hate to laugh about that. It's just it's just so strange to see a receiver uh, at at 34 years old be, being a starter. But listen, if you're going to get any mileage out of him, it's probably going to be early. So I think he's an interesting mm-hmm. speculative play, along of course uh, with with Rondale Moore. Let's talk about some receivers. Um, one guy that's getting a lot of the attention. And there's really only like a few guys I want to bring up here for this segment, but Romeo Dobbs, and I know there's a controversy. Derek, there is a controversy on how to pronounce Romeo's name. So maybe we just go with Romeo. <laughs> Most people say Dobbs. I believe it's Dobbs. When I was on with Jacob Gibbs last week, by the way, we did a great episode on rookies. I encourage everybody to listen to that because it's uh, that, that content isn't going anywhere. It's, it's still valid today, next week, the week after that. But um, I kept saying Dobbs and then – he might have said Dubs, and then I changed it to Dubs, and I'm pretty sure it's Dubs. Uh, what is it? Like, answer that question for me. So I got corrected out on social media as well because we struggled with this on the the Fantasy Pros podcast. We were saying, <laughs> I mean, we went from everything from Dubs to Dubs to Dobbs. Um, <laughs> I think it's Dobbs. Um, so I'm going to go with that from now on because that, at least that's what Twitter told me, and yeah. we all we all know that Twitter's never wrong. So well, um, it has to be Dobbs. What's funny is I went back. I was so curious. And I do this anyway. Some guys that I'm not super familiar with, if I didn't see a ton of them in college, I'll just go back on YouTube and I'll just look at, you know, tape and whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. that video on YouTube. And the announcer in the college highlights was saying dubs. And I was like, oh, it has to be dubs. But then I'm like, well, that announcer doesn't know. Like, what you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't, he's not with the team. So I do think it's dubs. Anyway, impressive rookie debut. We know he's a fourth round pick out of Nevada. Um, Jordan Love was targeting him a lot. He had a drop or two, but he certainly looked active. He was getting open. I liked how he was using his body. And when I went back and looked at his college tape, I was really impressed. At like the point of catch, he was really aggressive. His hands were great. Uh, I, I didn't see a lot to criticize other than the fact that he's not a burner. But then again, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. Um, what are your thoughts on Dobbs? I like Dobbs. Uh, I got a chance to see him up close and personal at Senior Bowl, um, nice. which was which gives me a little bit of a different perspective than I think a lot of other people um, in the sense that, you know, they watch training camp, they watch training camp highlights. Uh, it looks like a lot of what, and now again, we need to give some context here. I know that Twitter and other social media sites don't like context, but we're going to give it here. Um, Dobbs, a lot of these defenses you're going to see in preseason vanilla, they're going to play mm-hmm. zone that they're, they're not deploying complex looks and stunts and all those different types of things. At least unless you're Josh McDaniels and you care more about preseason than everybody else, apparently. But uh, anyway, um, (laughs) with Dobbs, you see him just running past a lot of guys. My concerns with Dobbs is when the lights come on, the problems that I saw at Senior Bowl was he had a lot of problems getting off the line, a lot of problems with Mm -hmm. separating, a lot of problems as far as his releases. Now, what are we going to see when we get to week one? And really... 
everything all coalesces and, and it's game time and you have corners press him at the line and he's not getting these free releases. He's not seeing zone. A lot of these training camp clips, he's running past people. He's stacking corners well, but I still do have concerns. I, I'm not on the hype bandwagon that everybody is, although I do think he's talented. There are still holes in his game, which it's easy to not say cover up a lot of these, but considering against one, the competition he's playing with uh, or against backups, things like that, as well as some of the schemes and stuff he's playing against right now, it's easy to, for us to get out a little bit over our skis with all the preseason hype. So I mean, I, I like the guy. I'm not going to say that I love him because honestly, I still love Christian Watson as well. That's fair. And obviously the draft capital was poured into Christian Watson. And, and honestly, I liked what I saw from Romeo Dobbs, but at the same time, like I, I'm, I'm not going to be victimized by the preseason hype. We we know what that is. And, and I like the point you brought up with respect to the vanilla defenses, because that's what he's, he's not seeing that press coverage. And, and frankly, from my review of him, whether it was the tape or just kind of, you know, reading uh, accounts of his strengths and weaknesses, his ability to separate was a question. Getting off the line certainly was a question. And we're really not going to find out how good he is at that until the actual regular season starts. So, you know, we have the depth chart up here. I think it's really interesting to kind of consider week one. We, you know, Dobbs, I think, is, is a fine option since he's a flat 3K. But to your point, nobody's playing Christian Watson. So if he can somehow catch up in, in, in camp or in the preseason, I should say, uh, he's a very intriguing option that a lot of nobody's going to play, frankly. Let's talk about other intriguing options. McCole Hardman appears to have, I don't know if he avoided a big injury today. I, I heard he was carted off, and then I heard it was just a growing injury. Mm-hmm. Either way, I, I doubt he's going to be ready for week one. Even if he was, he wasn't playing on two wide receiver sets in the preseason. And I, I could have probably told you that. Uh, I'm not a big McCole guy, but <laughs> it looks like. Yeah, it looks like MVS and Juju are going to be the primary receivers, at least in two wide receiver sets. Uh, are you are you looking at those guys at all? I mean, obviously, DFS week one, I think they're both very interesting. I'm not impressed by MVS, but maybe in this offense, he might be okay. Yeah, I've never been impressed with MVS. I mean, it, it really. so this is what it comes down with MVS, and it's always been the MVS. Uh, well, the moniker on whether to play or to fade MVS is, okay, is the defense bad against the deep ball? Okay, play MBS. If they are really good against the deep ball, then you fade MBS. He's a, now a nine-route specialist. He's a field stretcher altogether. I do not care about all the hype coming out about, oh, he's running more routes. He's doing all this. He's in shorts. He, mm-hmm. We already know he runs fast. Yeah. This should surprise nobody. So that's so, that's the thing. So. Yeah. Derek, that's the thing. He, he's got 4-3-3 speed. So we're like, yeah. well, of course he can just replace Tyreek Hill because he has 4-3-3 <laughs> speed. And it's like, no, he's a, like to your point, he's a nine route guy. He does it. The route tree, he's not he's truly. I mean, I hate to be disrespectful, but he's not like a classic no, receiver. He's a burner. That's it. He's a role player. And that's that's where it comes down to when I've and, and I've been talking to everybody in our discord. I've been talking out on Twitter and stuff. That's what I keep trying to accentuate to people. I'm like. Kansas City went with a lot of role players, players that are going to play certain aspects and they're good at what they do, but don't ask them to do multiple things. Juju is good against zone. Juju is a slot only wide receiver at this point in his career. Juju has has proven to us that he is not an alpha. He's a beta wide receiver. MVS is a field stretcher. That's all he does. The one guy in this entire depth chart outside of Travis Kelsey that can do all these things, can beat zone, beat man, beat press, is awesome, has running back legs for days, and the player that I love the most is Sky Moore. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't get why people don't love him as much as I do. I've seen a little bit of people gravitate to him, but not enough. I just I think it's funny that we, we, we look in hindsight and we say... All these rookies crushed last year, and then we get a new crop of rookies, and we say, okay, one of them is airdropped into one of the best offenses in the NFL. He's a fantastic prospect. And then they say, but what about MVS? <laughs> but what about Juju? But what about Mecole? And I'm like, what about them? I, 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 you're going to have to, I mean, maybe explain this to me because I don't get it, haven't understood it the entire time of the offseason. So what's interesting, my only response to that would be I'm largely a fade on Kansas City as a whole. I mean, even even their playoff chances. I actually mm-hmm. think the Chargers and, and the Broncos are better teams. And I could see a scenario where the, the Kansas City Chiefs are on the outside looking in, even with seven playoff spots available. I don't think their defense is super formidable. And I think without Tyreek Hill, there's some potential issues there. With that said, 
yeah, the, the, uh, clearly the most talented receiver, I, I, I suppose, almost by default has to be Sky Moore. The one I think that's going to be used on the front end more than anybody is Juju Smith-Schuster. As far as McColl and MBS, those are just situational guys, in my opinion. So I, I would imagine once we graduate to week three or week four or week five, you're seeing Sky Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster in, in two wide receiver sets. I'm curious, though. And maybe you know this from monitoring training camp reports or something like that. But is Sky Moore making enough of an impression early to have a DFS impact early? Because I'm not so sure about that. So I think that, okay, week one, we didn't see Sky take any reps with Patrick Mahomes. Now, a lot of this, and we do need to have, uh, again, understand where we're at in the preseason. And there are, like, the NFL teams, it's a lot of old school approach. It's We have to make the rookies earn it. Unless you're a first-round guy, you're drafted in the top half of the first round, or even the first round period. It's a lot of, we got to make the, the rookies earn it. Every coach has their own, you know, set of rules and standards and things like that. Like, so, I, Sky Moore, every single practice I've watched, um, all the, the training camp buzz, he has been crushing. Now, does that mean in week one that he's going to start in two wide receiver sets? Sets, we got to see. Now the question is how much, how many two wide receiver sets does Kansas City run? That's a good point. I think they're going to run a lot of three wide. You're right. You're right about that. And I don't know. I, I'm sorry that I even keep hearkening back to that. I, I was just trying to prove the point that it was it was Juju and MVS ahead oh, of yeah, the yeah, goal yeah. in that case. But you're you know what? You're right uh, that they run more uh, almost as much as uh, three wide receiver sets, I think, is uh, the top teams in the league. That they're certainly in the top 15, 20 percentile in there. So it's a good point. So so sorry to interrupt you, but you're right. Yeah, no, and so I mean, I, I I think your points is perfectly justifiable in the sense that there is a difference in the snap counts and who's running with Mahomes and who isn't right now, and I think that has to be brought up, and we do need to monitor that. Now, does the Mecole news change that? Obviously, I think it does. Um, but we're gonna have to see how popular Sky Moore gets the closer we get to Week One. I'm hoping he's not gonna be popular. I'm hoping that people want to go to the MVS and Juju and Kelsey. And they overlook a 3,800 Sky Moore. I don't know if we're going to get that lucky. But uh, if he's going to be overlooked, I'm going to overweight the field and play him in week one. I love it. I absolutely love it. So there's one other receiver or uh, two receivers I want to ask you about. And then we're going to get to some of your uh, week two DFS targets for the preseason. So Tim Patrick, unfortunately, is out with an ACL. I feel really bad for him, uh, frankly, because he's such an underrated receiver. And I think he was probably going to get the respect he deserved this year. And we know with, you know, wide receiver twos or threes on a team, when when they have a devastating injury like that, sometimes we just never hear from them. And I don't think that'll be the case with Tim Patrick, but I do feel bad about that. But I think the big debate on Twitter these days, at least in the fantasy football community, is Judy or Sutton. And I just want to hear your take on that. Like, who, who do you prefer? If you, if you had to make a choice between Judy and Sutton and you had to stick with it, who's the guy? My choice has been Sutton. It remains Sutton, and it's going to be Sutton. Sutton has has proven throughout his NFL career, um, and I know people love to talk about last year, but he was a player coming off an ACL. Mm-hmm. We should mute our expectations about players that are coming off of ACLs. Unless you're an elite of elite of elite of elite we need to meet our expectations in that aspect. And I think Sutton is going to reclaim what we saw in 2019, which was he was on his way to establish himself as an alpha in the NFL. He's top 12 in yards per route run, top 13 in targets per route run. He crushed and he proved he could carry a passing attack. I think Russ is going to lean on him. And my colleague Andrew Erickson has said that he thinks that Cortland Sutton is this year's Cooper Cup. I I, I, I disagree mm-hmm. a little bit in the sense of volume, but I will throw some extra sauce on the sandwich and say that I think that Cortland Sutton is going to be this year's Jamar Chase in that he is going to get there off of efficiency and deep targets because we know Russ loves to throw the ball deep, and that is Sutton's role in this offense. So I, I'm massive, massive team Sutton. So uh, you and Andrew Erickson are wrong because, of course, it's Jerry Judy. <laughs> um, and- <laughs> And I will say this year's Jamar Chase is actually T. Higgins. So, oh, yeah. So you're welcome for that. I thought you I thought you were just going to take the sarcastic route and go. It's actually (gasps) Jamar Chase. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that would have been a good answer. Well, okay, this year's Jamar Chase is either Jamar Chase or T. Higgins. That much I can tell you. By the way, looking at this depth chart here that we have on YouTube, go subscribe if you haven't already. Josh Johnson gets no respect whatsoever. I just think historically he's been a pretty good quarterback that can do a lot Mm -hmm. of things. I saw him week one in the preseason, and I'm like, yep, that's the same Josh Johnson I saw last year, Mm -hmm. the same Josh Johnson I saw two, three years ago. 
I'm so glad he's in the league, but he's invisible to people. He really is. And people were talking about the week one preseason DFS slate, and they're like, okay, what about Bryce Perkins? What about um, people wanted to play Freppin Ian Book and other players like that? Or or they were asking me, um, certain people in Discord were asking me about Jordan Love, and I was like, no, I don't want to play Jordan Love. Jordan Love is going to get playing time, but Jordan Love sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play that guy. Um, I was like, we need to look at Josh Johnson. He's shown that he can ball out against NFL talent in the regular season. He's mobile. I get he's not young, but he still will run, and he's played well, and he showed us that again in week one of the preseason. So I'm totally with you. I think Josh Johnson is a fantastic target, and um, I I don't think that Russell Wilson's probably going to play this week again. Maybe he gets a cameo in week three or so, but I still have a good bit of exposure to Josh Johnson in DFS. What other DFS show is going to talk to you about how Josh Johnson is underrated in the National Football League? Okay, speaking of the National Football League, we have a full week two preseason slate. We've got an island game showdown, if you will, on Thursday. It's the Bears at Seahawks. We have three a three-game slate on Friday. We have a lot of games on Saturday. We have eight games Sunday. We have three games. That means we have Sunday football. That's amazing. I guess we had a little bit of that last week, but we have three games on Sunday. And then we even get a Monday night game, Falcons at Jets. So... That's a full slate. I'm I'm super excited. It feels like football is definitely back as we speak. But you have some guys that I know you have your eye on. Now, listen, it's early. We're recording this on Wednesday. Things change. News changes specifically when it comes to the preseason. Depth charts get adjusted and beat reporters say things and, and, and whatnot. But you have some targets that you are interested in. And the first one, we'll just run through them real quick, Derek. I don't want to keep you too long, but Bryce Perkins, the guy I won money on last Saturday night. So you have Bryce Perkins, John Wolford here to split time. You got your eye on those guys? Yeah, I like both of them. I mean, they're both mobile. We care about now just some overarching DFS theory. We care about playing time in the preseason matters a ton. So players you're projecting to get two quarters, maybe more. You know, so Bryce Perkins last week played 100 percent of the snaps. Even with him splitting with John Wolford, both of these guys are mobile. They're both going to get probably half the game. So any quarterbacks that are projecting, um, so thinner depth charts is what we care about in preseason. So Mm -hmm. teams that are down because of injuries or they have fewer quarterbacks, then that's what we care about. Because you need snaps to sit here and score fantasy points. Volume, again, is king. I like Wolford and Perkins because they both have mobility and they're both going to at least probably see two quarters of action. I love that. So again, thinner, uh, what was the term you used? Thinner depth charts. Yeah. Yeah. So thinner depth charts, obviously that means that equates to more volume. So that's, that's what you're, you're looking for there. You have another quarterback or two on this list. Tell me about them. Yeah. I mean, really, again, going back to playing time, that's, that's really what we're looking at. So, I mean, even if you don't know much about preseason DFS, if you're going to go just by depth charts and you're saying, okay, these are the games, just look at the depth charts. Teams that have one or two quarterbacks after their starters, these are the guys that you want. And this leads me back to a lot of New England Patriots. I played a ton of them in week one. I'm going to do so yet again because the Patriots depth chart is extremely barren of depth in the sense that they're not going to play Mac Jones. They're going to either play Brian Hoyer and Bailey Zappi. I like both of them because they're not sexy names, but what they do is they're going to sit back there in the in the pocket and they're going to throw the ball. So you're going to care about these pass catchers because, again, the Patriots are limited on running backs and wide receivers. If you take anything away from this episode is that the Patriots have been a golden ticket in preseason DFS for multiple years. Bill loves to run these third string, fourth string, back into the depth chart guys into the ground in preseason. So last year we saw Ramondre Stevenson crush. Mm-hmm. J.J. Taylor crushed. Previous years before that, it was Nick Brissett's of the world crushed. And this all comes back. Again, Patriots are looking pretty in that they're going to play two quarterbacks probably. So you're looking at do they get a half for each one of them? So Brian Hoyer is probably somebody nobody's going to play. I, I played him last week and he was at 0.7%, mm-hmm. which if he goes off, he breaks the slate, you know, because nobody else has him. But I like Bailey Zappi. I like a lot of their other pass catchers. Um, Christian Wilkerson, uh, they brought him to the hospital. He apparently got knocked cold in practice from a hit the other day. Um, So, again, this could be even more pared down. Hope he's okay, but this is 
news that we need to monitor for preseason DFS purposes in that Trey Nixon, super athletic, Lil Jordan Humphrey and Tyquan Thornton could get a snap bump. So if you're looking at Bailey Zappi, you're looking at Brian Hoyer, these are the receiving options you need to be pairing with them or looking to the backfield for Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris and JJ Taylor. And speaking of receiving options, you have uh, Romeo on here, Romeo Dobbs and, T- and Tyler mm-hmm. Goodson, who I believe is a, he's a running back, right? Yep. And then and then you have, of course, from that same team, Danny Etling and Jordan Love. Uh, you like these guys going into week two? Yeah, I like Jordan Love um, at least a little bit. Uh, I know I, I gave him crap earlier in the show, but... Um, he's in play if you want to play him because he's going to get a lot of work. He's going to at least probably see two quarters, maybe three quarters of action. I like Etling as a contrarian play. Etling has won me a lot of money in the past because he does what we love quarterbacks to do, especially mm-hmm. in the preseason, is he runs. So mm-hmm. mobile quarterbacks are money. We know this in fantasy. It's ex- exceptionally true in the preseason because not a lot of these backup guys are good passers. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, last year I was playing Felipe Franks of all freaking people, and he scored me a ton of points. He can't throw the ball worth a damn, but he was running for 50, 60 yards when he was under center. So all we care about is the touchdowns and the rushing. I like Etling, love. If you want to go Dobbs, that's fine. I think he's going to be a little bit popular. Amari Rogers got a lot of snaps and routes. So um, he is a contrarian option to kind of look at, as well as Tyler Goodson. The Packers are not going to play Aaron Jones. They're not going to play A.J. Dillon. Uh, The other guys on this, Kylan Hill, is still trying to work his way back. They just re-signed Dexter Williams. He got like nine snaps last week. And LaFleur has come out and said that Goodson is going to get a lot of work in the preseason. And he is a guy that, again... You're, you want volume for the running backs, but you want athleticism. You want a guy that not only could he get the goal line carries, but can he break off a long run? Goodson's got afterburners. So I, I think that he is firmly in play and a guy that I'm going to ha- have on my short list for this uh, preseason DFS slate. Can you give us like two or three other running backs that you like for a week two in the preseason? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, again, going back to the Rams, uh, Sean McVay is a firm believer that he is going to bubble wrap the hell out of all of his players. They are not going to see the NFL field uh, in the preseason. So we talked about the quarterbacks. Uh, As far as pass catchers, you can go to Lance McCutcheon. He's probably going to be a little more popular because he did uh, catch two touchdowns in the last game. But looking to the backfield, Raymond Calais is an undersized back. He can catch passes. He is also an athletic player. Uh, He got a ton of work last week. I think that he, again, uh, Darrell Henderson, Cam Akers are banged up. They were were not going to play anyway. But I think he is another contrarian play. He's going to go overlooked. I can't see him to be popular. So another name that I like, and a few other just rattling off down the list, Jamar Jefferson got a lot of run for Detroit. He's in play. Khalil Shakir is an extremely talented rookie out of Boise State who should get a lot of run. Him or Tanner Gentry for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, If anybody has been in the preseason DFS streets with me before, you know the name of Tom Kennedy. He is a fantastic slot wide receiver, never gets any run in the regular season, but he is a preseason darling. Uh, He had a big game last week, still won't be played a bunch because he's never played a bunch. Um, And lastly, the big problem with filling out preseason DFS lineups, and honestly, it's usually just an albatross. It's terrible. You're looking at 4.9, 40 blocking types, and you're hoping that one of these guys catches, doesn't give you a zero, Um, Mm -hmm. Looking to the tight end position, the Buffalo Bills um, are thinner at that position than other teams. I think that O.J. Howard got a lot of run last week. We could see that again, as well as one of my darling guys. He's athletic and catch passes. Tommy Sweeney is a name that people need to earmark for the tight end position in preseason this week. O.J. Howard. Yeah, I think everybody still thinks he's on on the Buccaneers. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, last week, uh, Jacob Gibbs from Sportsline and from uh, Fantasy Football Today was on with us, and he had a lot of really good things to say about Khalil Shakir. We went through all the rookies. I mean, we went really deep. We, we even got to, like, Sam Howell and, and, and some of the yep. quarterbacks there. We talked about every single running back, every single receiver, super in-depth. He's really talented. But he, to, to your point about um, Khalil Shakir and you liking him, he's a big fan. That guy's super under the radar, probably because of the draft cap. Right. Yep. I was surprised that Shakir slipped as long as he did in the NFL draft. I mean, he had the production metrics. He had a lot of the things that we care about. He didn't test poorly. I saw him at senior bowl. He played well, got off the line, good release packages. Um, So I I don't know why he slipped as far as he did in the NFL draft. I projected him as 
a third, maybe fourth round pick. So I think he fell all the way off the top of my head. I think he fell all the way to the fifth round, which was surprising. And yeah, shout out to Gibbs. That dude is so freaking sharp. He is fantastic. People need to be following him out on Twitter. Tons of great stat nuggets, tons mm-hmm. of in-depth research. He's always on top of rookies. Um, yeah, I can't say enough good things, but to, to shout out Gibbs here for a second. Oh, that's awesome of you to do. He is he is unbelievably talented. Yeah, when I read his awesome. work on Sportsline, I'm like, I'm just kind of blown away. So, uh, yeah. So, again, that's a shout out to the podcast in general because we have a lot of this stuff that you can you can dig into um, this this week's episode as well. And Derek, I, I got to thank you for coming on. Uh, I like how we recap kind of some of the week one stuff, some of the position battle stuff that we're looking forward to when the actual regular season starts. But these nuggets on week two, I know I'm going to put them in play because I haven't played NFL preseason as much as I'd want to, to be honest with you. And uh, it's about time I sort of get in in the weeds here like you have and uh, start playing some of these guys that you've recommended. Derek, before I let you go, um, obviously you're at Fantasy Pros. I don't know if it, wh- where you're, where else you're at if anywhere, and where we can kind of find your content. Obviously, we can find it at fantasypros.com. We can find it at your Twitter page, at dbro underscore FFB. But in terms of podcasts or shows or Twitter spaces, stuff like that, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, I mean, out on Twitter, follow me at dbro underscore FFB. Again, all my content's at Fantasy Pros. So a lot of the things getting ready for week one, I've already started to look at the the week one slate. So more to follow on that uh, as far as content wise. But I'm on the Fantasy Pros podcast. Subscribe to that thing. Give us a rate and review. Uh, We're diving into four to five shows, doing some live mock drafts on YouTube, as well as for the podcast weekly. And yeah, I mean, I I love doing Twitter spaces. I've done them uh, the last few weeks, uh, usually once a week towards the end of the week. And I've been on there for the Fantasy Pros main account. Need to be following it. Turn on the notifications and just answering questions. I love interacting with people about fantasy football, helping people out any way they possibly can, whether it's best ball, redraft, uh, whether in spaces, or if they're hitting up our draft kits for best ball and redraft on the site. It's all the things, all the stuff, man. It's it's a great time of year, and thank you all for having me. I love talking DFS, especially coming on the show, talking to yourself and Frank. Uh, it's always a good time, man. Well, we know where to find you now, Derek. We appreciate your time. This has been yet another off-season edition of Fantasy Football Today DFS. Next week, we are back with not one, but two episodes, and we might even get a sneak peek at the man, Mike McClure, the DFS wizard, uh, who's going to carry us through this entire season with myself, of course, and the help of Frank Stample. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, twice. See you later.